If you'd like to spend some time with real people with a real heart for God, we welcome you to visit us at Harvest Church in Alexandria, Virginia. Our Sunday morning services are held at 1030, and our Family Night Fellowship takes place on Wednesday at 7 p.m. Come experience God's awesome, life-changing power as we worship in His presence, fellowship with one another, commit to discipleship, and share God's love through evangelism. For more information or directions, visit HarvestNova.com. That's HarvestNova.com. Psalm 63, beginning with verse 1. O God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My body longs for you in a dry and weary land where there is no water. I have seen you in the sanctuary and beheld your power and your glory. Because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you. I will praise you as long as I live, and in your name I will lift up my hands. My soul will be satisfied as with, with the richest of foods. My singing lips, uh, with singing lips, my mouth will praise you. On my bed I will remember you. I think of you through the watches of the night, because you are my help. I sing in the shadow of your wings. My soul clings to you. Your right hand upholds me. They who seek my life will be destroyed. They will go down to the depths of the earth. They will be given over to the sword and become food for jackals. But the king will rejoice in God. All who swear by God's name will praise him, while the mouths of liars will be silenced. May the Lord add his blessing to the reading of his holy word. The title of my message today is God Seekers. God Seekers. Can you look back on times in your life when there was something you wanted more than anything else? Can you? And you would, you would go after that with your whole heart, whether it was a new job, a promotion, uh, if you're involved in sports, maybe a spot on the sparting, uh, starting team, uh, some uh, certain someone you were interested in, a car you always wanted, a contract that could make or break your company, a weight loss goal, whatever it is. When we really want something, we go for it, don't we? We put our all into it. We give it our best effort. We focus our energies on it. We think about it day and night. We devise plans and strategies to get it. We talk about it with anyone who would listen. And we stick to it until we reach our goal. We all have these kinds of pursuits in life, and often they are what we live for. They make life worthwhile. But I want to suggest to you that the greatest pursuit, the most meaningful pursuit for each and every one of us is to go hard after God. To be a God seeker. Above all else, above that promotion, above that raise, above uh, that uh, new automobile or new home or whatever we think we want, to go hard after God. Because we were created, one theologian said, man was created with a God-shaped hole inside that only God can fill. What kind of difference would it make in our personal lives, in our families, in our church, 
and our community and our workplaces if we were 100% sold out to God, seeking God with our whole heart. Thank God for his blessings. Thank God for his goodness. But I believe God is just sometimes tiptoeing to the edge of heaven, just saying, I have more, church. Harvest Church, I have more that I want to pour out on you. If you seek me with your whole heart. In this familiar psalm, I want to share four aspects of seeking after God. Four uh, elements of seeking him with our whole heart that will help us to, to focus our attentions on what matters in life, going wholeheartedly after God. Four aspects of seeking after God. The first is this, it's the word reference, reference, knowing where we are. Verse 1 says, I seek you, Lord, in a dry and weary land where there is no water. Dryness is a biblical picture in many places of a lack of spiritual vitality. Uh, the water is, is uh, conversely a symbol of the Holy Spirit. And so a dry spirit, being in a dry place spiritually, is, is not uh, being in the optimum place in relationship to God. And the psalmist says, I'm in a dry and weary land where there is no water. The superscription at the beginning of this psalm tells us that when David wrote it, he was in the desert of Judah. He knew all too well what it was like to be in a dry place. Going after God starts with a place of reference. Where are we? Where are we in relationship to God? Uh, you, you know those big directory boards in the mall? And you look for the spot that says what? You are here. <laughs> because you see this big, you know, diagram of the whole mall and the stores. Well, that's great, but where am I? Even if you find the store you want, it helps to know where you're starting from, doesn't it? You know, GPS uh, tells you where you are. You have directions, and you see that little blue dot, right, on the screen, and it tells you where you are. We, we know this is the information age. And, uh, of course, it, it can be a little overwhelming at times. You know, you'll, uh, you'll shop in a store and purchase something, get an email. I hope you enjoyed your purchase of whatever it is you purchased today. I don't know about you, that creeps me out a little bit, you know. People know where you are, but we need to know where we are. One thing you can say for David is that he was not troubled with mirages. You know, he didn't look out and mistakenly see an oasis with a shimmering pool of water and, and, and be fooled into thinking that he was okay. No, he, uh, he honestly uh, surmised a point of reference. I'm in a dry place. I'm in a desert place. And many Christians, conversely, are in a desert place spiritually and they don't even know it. Can I tell you something? Worse than being in a dry place spiritually is being in a dry place spiritually and not even knowing it. 
And we go through the routines. We go to church on Sunday even. We go through our routines. But we don't realize I'm in a dry place. And so we get in that mode and we're not aware of our true state. They're like the church of Laodicea that Jesus described in Revelation 3.17. He said to that church, you brag, I am rich, I've got it made, I don't need anything from anyone. Oblivious that in fact you're a pitiful blind beggar, threadbare and homeless. You know, when we come to the house of God and God's presence moves and we feel his spirit like we did today, it's it's wonderful experience, but we can lull ourselves into thinking, boy, that felt good. And then we leave oblivious to the fact that I'm still in a dry place. We need to understand where we are. How's your walk with God today? Is he the center of your life? Do you, could you honestly say, I'm going after God with my whole heart. I'm seeking him. My relationship with God is the most important thing in my life. You ask a lot of people, including Christians, what's the most important thing in your life? Many of them will say, family. And I get it, family is important, okay? Don't misunderstand me. Pastor Tim, you don't care about families. Yes, I do. I love my family. We're about to add to it in a little over a month, and I'm super excited. But even more important than family is our relationship with God. We are to be God seekers. And so the first aspect of seeking God is a point of reference. How uh, how vital is our walk with God? How much do we seek him? How much do we read the word? How much do we press in? Are we involved in ministry? Are we seeking after God? Are we in the word? Are we living our lives according to the word? You ever hear this phrase? I know what the Bible says, but... You ever hear that? That's a dangerous statement. Our lives should be governed uh, by the attitude that says, I know what the Bible says, and that's the standard, period. So point of reference, where are you today in your walk with God? What's the second aspect of being a God seeker, it's resource. First, there's reference, knowing where we are, resource, seeing God as our only hope. In verse 1, the psalmist says, O God, you are my God. O God, you are my God. The psalmist here acknowledges the presence of God. He knows that God is there even in the spiritual wilderness. Psalm 139 says, where can I go from your spirit or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend into the heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. The good thing about being in the wilderness and in a dry place is that God is still there. God can still be found. Hallelujah. Are you thankful for that? 
Secondly, David acknowledges God as my God. He laid personal claim to God as his rightful owner and ruler by his covenant and by his consent. We have to see God as our resource. Our former general superintendent, George Wood, who's gone home to be with the Lord, told about a friend who was visiting the, the land of Egypt. And he was with a group taken by a guide to climb up a pyramid. I didn't know you could do that, but you could climb up a pyramid, I guess. Anybody here ever climb up a period? pyramid? <laughs> period. Pyramid. Pyramid. Uh, but the guide, as he was being led up the pyramid, gave him one piece of advice. Don't look down. Look up. Now, I've never climbed the pyramid, but I believe that's good advice. Don't look down. Look up. And that's good advice in the natural when you're climbing a pyramid. That's good advice in the spiritual. You see, too many times when we need something, we do this and this and this and this. We look everywhere but up. Oh God, you are my God. You are my resource. Wherever you find yourself today, I want you to know that God is the answer. God is the way out. God is the way back. Say, Pastor Tim, but you don't know what my problem is. No, but he does, and he's the solution. Pastor Tim, you don't know how badly I've messed up. No, but he does, and he is the fixer. He is the solution. He is the way out. He is the resource. Pastor Tim, you don't know how bad uh, my financial needs are. No, but he does, and he is Jehovah Jireh who provides. Hallelujah. He is the resource. Pastor Tim, you don't understand. I, I work very hard. I've worked very hard to, to attain the position I have and, and to acquire the, the resources that I have. And, 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 you know, that's all me. Let me tell you, it's by the grace of God that you can leave here today and go pursue that career, pursue that, uh, fulfill that position tomorrow because if he withholds his hand a blessing or allows something to happen to you, all that could be gone in a moment. Come on, we know this. We think, of, we think of celebrities, you know, who are worth millions and have fame, and they've got it made. But they have life-threatening illnesses, just like the rest of us do. And God is the resource. Heard a story about a young boy who went to the local store with his mother, the shop owner was a kindly man, and he passed him a large jar of suckers. I, I think you all call them suckers down here. I'm from New Jersey. We call them lollipops. But anyway, whatever you call them, you know what I'm talking about. So he invited the young boy to help himself, put the whole jar in front of him, take as many as he wanted. The, the young man was uncharacteristically hesitant, and he held back. So the shop owner put his hand in and pulled a bunch out and gave him to the boy. And on the way out of the store, the mom said to the son, she was puzzled, son, that's not like you. Why didn't you put your hand in the jar and take out a, a, a whole bunch of suckers? The boy replied, because the store owner's hand is a lot bigger than mine. 
Church, God's hand is a lot bigger than yours. God is a resource uh, beyond all resources. We're not going to get out of the wilderness, out of the dry place on our own. We need God's help. And as I said, the great thing is that no matter where we find ourselves, no matter what, how dry the place is, we can call out to Almighty God, say, God, I need you. Sometimes we don't even know what we need, but we just need help. God, I need your help. If you're here today or watching online and you're in a dry place and you don't know where to go and who to turn to and, and where to find help, I want you to know God is your resource. God will help you. God will meet you where you are. When Jesus walked the earth, he didn't just go into the synagogues with the, the, the righteous people. He went into the highways and the byways. He hung around sinners. He went to, to, to places where people didn't know God or weren't serving God. And wherever you are today, if you're in a dry place, God will come and meet you where you are. He's your resource. Call on Him. And He will meet you where you are. Amen? What's the third aspect of being a God seeker? It's resolution. Resolution. Set our hearts to seek God. It also says in verse 1, Earnestly I seek you, my soul thirsts for you, my body longs for you. That's the NIV, earnestly I seek you. The King James says, early will I seek you. Now, seeking God early in the morning is a good thing, but that's not what's being referenced here in the King James early. NIV says, and other modern translations say earnestly. The point is that we seek God as a priority. I am resolving, Lord, to seek you. I am resolving to make you first priority in my life. Look at another translation. Earnestly I seek you. In my heart I long for you. My whole being desires you. I can't get enough of you. And David uses two illustrations that he knows his listeners will understand in trying to demonstrate just how serious he is about going hard after God. And first of all, he said he feels like someone dying of thirst. Did you know that you can live a substantially longer amount of time without food than you can without water? Water is one of the basics of life. What do they say? Three days at the most. And dehydration is a terrible thing to die from that. And so he pictures himself as someone dying of thirst. You know on a hot day. We had a hot day on Friday. It was 93 degrees. Can you, I guess that's a, a little foretaste of a summer. But when you're out on a hot day, especially if you're active, man, there's, there's nothing you want more, right? A nice cold glass of something. That's the thirst that the picture David uses to describe his thirst for God. The other illustration is he uh, pictures himself as someone starving to death. We know we need food as well to live. Listen to what Jesus said in Matthew uh, 5, 6. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. The Living Bible says it this way. Happy are those who long to be just and good, for they shall be completely satisfied. 
We see God as our resource and we resolve to seek him. Jeremiah 29, 12 through 13 says this, Then you will call to me, you will come and pray to me, and I will hear you. When you look for me, you will find me. When you wholeheartedly seek me. Seeking God and, and, and going hard after him isn't something that just happens. You understand what I'm saying? It's not, God doesn't force himself on you or me. Seeking God is something we must resolve to do. We must resolve to put him first. Well, Pastor Tim, we had a service back in 2005, and we had an altar, man, and I just came forward, and I just put God first. And I, I made that commitment, and I just, I did that. And praise God, you know, I, I, I did that. Can I tell you something? Thank God for the commitment you made in 2005 or whatever it was. But we have to make God first priority every day of our lives. It's not a one and done. Amen? Amen. Resolve. You know, we talk about New Year's resolutions, and then we laugh because they're usually broken in a week or less, you know, record time sometimes. But to resolve means to make a commitment to yourself, to follow through, to seek Almighty God, to put Him first. Paul said in one place, I die daily. I die daily. What did he mean by that? He meant that every day I must make a, a resolute choice, an intentional choice to die to my own desires. I have to say no uh, to my flesh every single day. And I'll add this, not just once a day. I have to say no to myself every day. I have to say no to my desires, my flesh. Why? Because we battle the flesh. Read Romans 7. The flesh is ever present. The, the sinful nature, it will battle us. It will pull us in the other direction. Come on, we know this. It will pull us. And it's not a one and done. Lord, I'm going to resolve to seek after you and put you first in my life. It's every day, every moment of every day. Lord, you're number one. Lord, help me to live a righteous life. Help me to know what to say no to. Lord, help me to follow hard after you. We have to resolve to say, Lord, I'm going to make that commitment. I'm going to die daily every single day. Thank God for yesterday's victories. Let's go win one today and tomorrow. And when you get weary in the battle, the Bible says, those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary and walk and not be faint. God will help you to follow through on that resolution, on that commitment to put him first. Thank God we're here today. Thank God for those of you joining us online. But I want to encourage you tomorrow morning, if you don't do this already, when you wake up, when you begin to face today, say this simple prayer among other prayers. I hope you're praying. Lord, help me to put you first in everything today. What a great prayer. 
Say, Pastor Tim, what, what possible effect could that have? Well, that will, that will cause the Holy Spirit when you're facing a decision, you're facing an opportunity to die to the flesh, to, to, to nudge you and say, this is what you need to do. How does that kind of thing happen when we resolve, Lord, I'm going to seek you. I'm going to seek you. What's the fourth aspect of being a God seeker? It's results. Results. Expect things to happen. Verse 5, the psalmist says, my soul will be satisfied. There is satisfaction in being a God seeker and putting God first. And the, the, the psalmist mentions several aspects of the results. When, when we put God first, when we seek him wholeheartedly, we can expect some things to happen. In verse 2, he talks about a display of God's power and glory. How many would like to see a, a, a new display of God's power and glory in our services, in your lives? Did you know that you don't have to be in a church to experience the glory and the power of God? That you can experience that in your home, in your car, on the metro, while you're taking a walk? That, uh, and, and, and I don't know about you, and we've experienced that God has blessed our church, but I think we're due for a fresh endowment of God's power and his glory. Hallelujah. We have an order of service. We have a plan for the service. But as I always say, God has final editing rights. Hallelujah. And he can come and do what he wants to do. Some of you are here, you've heard about great moves of God. You've heard about displays of his glory and his power. But I tell you, church, it's time to stop hearing about them and time to start experiencing fresh moves of God's glory and his power. Pastor Tim, how does that happen? Can we create it? No, but as I say many, many times, we can create the atmosphere for it. How do we do that? We seek after God. We prioritize God. We seek the face of Almighty God. John Wesley, the great preacher, said the reason people came by thousands to hear him preach was because, quote, each time I set myself on fire, they come to watch me burn. Hallelujah. Oh, God, set us on fire. Set us on fire. Let the world come and watch us burn. Amen? What's another result of going hard after God? There's a new freedom in praise and worship. Verses 3 and 4 talk about that. The Word of God says he inhabits the praise of his people. He dwells in the midst of a praising people. And I believe that's more than just going through the motions on Sunday morning and singing the songs. Uh, I, I love to hear you all sing. I love to hear you all enter it. But it's worshiping from the inside out. It's, it's giving him praise and glory. It's realizing that the people around you aren't the audience, that we are the performers. God is the audience. Hallelujah. And when we lift up praises to him, he is drawn like metal to a magnet. Hallelujah. To the praises of his people. Things happen when God's people praise him. Did you know that? Things happen when God is lifted up, when his name is exalted. The third result is inner satisfaction of soul. Uh, 
the psalmist says in verse 5, I made reference, my soul will be satisfied as with the richest of foods. With singing lips, my mouth will praise you. There's a satisfaction that comes. Psalm 107.9 says, He satisfies those who are thirsty and fills the hungry with good things. Psalm 103.5 says this, He fills my life with good things so that I say young and strong like an eagle. Hallelujah. Inner satisfaction of soul. Uh, Chris Tomlin has a song on one of his albums. It talks about being satisfied. Uh, Nothing can satisfy me like you. In you I'm satisfied. Uh, True satisfaction comes from Almighty God. It doesn't come from wealth. It doesn't come from fame. It doesn't come from comfort. It doesn't come from living uh, an easy life. It comes from going hard after God and walking closely with Him. If you're here today, if you're watching online, you say, I just don't have that satisfaction. I just don't have that peace. What, 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 do, I, what do I need to do to have that satisfaction inside? Go hard after God. Things happen when we go hard after God. What's the fourth result? Going hard after God. It's freedom from fear. In verse 7, he says, Because you are my help, I sing in the shadow of your wings. Verse 6, I think of you through the watches of the night. You know, night is always... Uh, speaking of, you know, the night time, the hard time, the difficult times, going through the night season. Psalmist says, I think of you through the watches of the night. In other words, when I'm tempted to be fearful, when I'm tempted to let uh, my enemies overwhelm me, Lord, I think of you and I'm okay. God doesn't want us to live in fear. God doesn't want us Uh, to uh, have undue anxiety and worry about the things that are around us. Listen, it'd be very easy to contemplate first thing in the morning all the things that can go wrong in a day. If you do that, you're just going to pull the sheets over your head, right? Today's an inside day, like inside the bed under the sheets, you know? Because we don't want to face those things. But, but God has not given us a spirit of fear. God is, is with us. And God uh, takes away our fear when we go hard after him. Why? Because we're aware of his presence. If God before us, finish that for me. I can't hear you. If God be for us, You're getting a little better, but I still think we needed to go a little louder. If God be for us, who can be against us? Why is there cause for fear? Truth of the matter is God is everywhere. He's omnipresent. He's with us. But we're not always aware of it, are are we? But when we go hard after God, when we praise Him, when we seek Him, when we draw near to Him, we become aware of His presence. And what happens to fear? It just melts away. Hallelujah. Does God automatically change the circumstance? Not necessarily, but He will change us. Hallelujah. He will take away fear because that's what God does. Psalm 4.8 says, When I lie down, I go to sleep in peace. You alone, O Lord, keep me perfectly safe. Psalm 63.7 says, You can sing in the shadows because he is your help and will be there with you. Isaiah 26.3 says, You, Lord, give perfect peace to those who keep their purpose firm and put their trust in you. 
Verses 9 and 10 here tell in Psalm 63 tell about God dealing with the enemies of the psalmist. Things happen when we go hard after God. What are the four aspects of God we're seeking after God? We share with you this morning. First is reference. We need to know where we are. We need to be honest with ourselves. If we're in a dry place. Secondly is resource. God is our only hope. Nothing can bring you, you and me out of a dry place. And doesn't it just stand to reason? Earthly things can't fix a spiritual problem. That's so simple, we, we miss it, don't we? Earthly things can never fix a spiritual problem. God is our resource. Thirdly, resolution. We need to set our hearts. We need to die daily. We need to make God top priority in our lives. And fourthly, we can expect results, expect things to happen. Responses to a message like this can range from saying, Pastor Tim, I enjoyed that sermon. That was, boy, that was good. And we go out of the sanctuary and then live as if we haven't heard the word of God. We do that, don't we? I'm not going to ask for a show of hands. We've all done it. You ever have a spiritual truth, a message or something? Wow, that, yeah, wow. And then later on, it's like you never heard it. Let's not let that happen. Not because, not, listen, not because of what I say, but because of what the Word of God says. Amen? Or sometimes we can leave with good intentions and we're, we're reminded and we, we seek after God and that lasts for a, a short time and then we face life and things devolve to the way they were before. Or we can let this truth get down in our soul. We can say above all else, I want to be a God seeker today. I want to be a God seeker. I want to seek him in the good times. I want to seek him in the bad times. I want to seek him. I want to put him first in my life. I want to go hard after God. choice is up to you.